Hey, this is Max, and you're listening to The Uncommon Truth, a podcast that's in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Our goal with the podcast is to have conversations about Christianity and the present-day church that are thoughtful, that are thought-provoking, and that are challenging. And we really hope that, that the conversations you hear on The Uncommon Truth help you understand more about what Jesus meant when he commanded us to go and be the church. The show follows a little bit of my own life. I didn't grow up in the church. I became a Christian around the age of 13, and I served in various ministries. I helped direct a summer camp and uh, met my wife in Canada where we did that together and been involved in lots of different churches. And now, now's the time where we're, we're really trying to figure out what is Jesus' true representation of the church? What are we supposed to do here on earth? And uh, really, the question, who is Jesus and who does that make us here interacting with the world around us? With that in mind, today's conversation is going to be pretty much along those lines. I read an article recently that talked about the, the decline of the church here in the 21st century in the West and, and also about how the early church spread from a movement of a very small group of people in a very small corner of the world to something that really changed the whole course of the world forever. In the church, there's lots of doom and gloom about declining church numbers, declining influence in the culture, just declining uh, political influence, things like that. But those are all things that the early church never had. They never had power, influence, they didn't have numbers, and yet they flourished. So we're asking the question, why is that? And, w- and what can we learn from them so that we can flourish in this time coming where maybe there won't be a whole lot of power and influence or a whole lot of uh, numbers of people attending our church? As we walk into this post-Christian culture, are we supposed to accommodate the culture and, and snuggle up to it, be buddy-buddy? Are we supposed to go be by ourselves and completely isolate the church and, and make sure we're not infected by the culture? Or is there another way that we can be the church and reach the world? For this discussion, once again, I have the pleasure of being joined by Steve Orsillo. He's a friend of mine and also the pastor here at the Father's House Church, senior pastor that is. As always, when Steve joins the show, I'm sure we're going to be in for a challenging and interesting discussion. So why don't you join us here for The Uncommon Truth. All right. Well, welcome back, Steve, to The Uncommon Truth. Hey. It's really good. Uh, I know we heard from you last week at around the uh, the campfire. That yes. was pretty cool, right? That was cool. That was at, at your house, and we got, to, we got to hear you telling me to throw some more wood on the fire. Yeah, we heard my roosters, my neighbor's roosters, which surround me. Yeah. They were going off. We uh, we had some friends that could hear their own voices uh, talking. <laughs> uh, so some, some listeners came back and said, hey, I was around that campfire. I heard myself uh, heckling Steve there at the end. So yeah. that was, that was kind of cool. Hope you enjoyed that. We don't do that a whole lot, um, but it, it was just a good, good opportunity uh, on a really crazy busy week for us. And so it was, it was cool to have that in our back pocket to be able to sit around the campfire. So usually we, we sit around and invite people to share a cup of coffee or water, hang out with us. 
that time it was uh, share a little bit of a campfire and some. What did we have for breakfast? Some pancakes and Waffles, stuff. Waffles, eggs. Yeah, it was good stuff. The hash yeah. browns were really good that day too. Ooh, it was it was cool, cool and, and a little bit chilly in the morning, which uh, you you never if you visit the the North Valley in summer you never think that there would ever be a morning where it got below 50 degrees but that's the time of year we're in now chris nice cool mornings and uh barely need the air conditioning anymore so that's where we're at so thanks for joining us Um, i'm glad to be here today i wanted to i wanted to get a, a little bit of a discussion uh even in in that in that campfire around the fire talk we were talking about you started off talking about the decline of of the church as far as not the decline of the big C church, but the decline of Christianity's, um, how would attendance? you say? Well, attendance for sure. And our, our influence in culture, right? That is, if you've been paying attention to, to the world and events, anything in the past 40 years, it's just, it feels like, feels like the sky is falling that we're we're doing a nosedive right with yes. the uh you know we we don't we don't run into people that you know you it's weird if you run into a christian on the streets now that like oh you you love jesus you know and you don't just say that you know yeah. it's it's not whereas i i think in my well you you growing up or in my grandparents um times growing up it would have been weird to not see somebody that shared your faith or shared shared your church you see on Sunday, right? Yeah, far more weird than it is today, yeah. So my my thought is, um, I've read an article, I'm going to share a little bit from it and, and hear your perspective, but I'm wondering if, um, if maybe if the sky is really falling or, or maybe there's an opportunity in there for the church as the world gets more and more secularized. Um, I've always, I was always told in my camp life, find an opportunity in every challenge or every piece of adversity, right? And I, th- right. I think you do that really well, uh, especially in the last few weeks with all Thanks. the craziness that's been going on. So I wanted to get your your thought on that. So, so we hear we hear all the time churches in decline, right? And uh, you cited some st- statistics where, you, like even in the UK, we've got a lot of people from the UK and they're like 3% or under, under 3%. Well, I think they're under 2 and uh, and so that's that's in church attendance. Yeah. So what do you what do you think is actually declining as as a church? Is it is it just attendance or what else are we declining in? So there's an institution of church that the media likes to quote. They like to point out. So in the fall of um, Roman Catholicism in the East Coast cities, where their past mistakes are now being publicized. The media would sell it as the institution is crashing. Right. And I think the institution crashed when those things occurred, but it just took this long for it to... This is the washout of it because... Like the ripples. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so many people know about those indiscretions from 40, 50 years ago, and they have slowly just... I mean, masses have drifted away. Mm-hmm. And the institution has lost its effectiveness and influence... So the institution is very much diminished. And to me, I can see that 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 could be a bad thing, but mostly it will be a good thing in the long run. Hmm. Um, 
church attendance has so much value in our life, in our raising of our kids, family around the dinner table, many things that I took for granted growing up. I didn't, I didn't know anybody didn't do that. Yeah. I'm sure there were people that didn't do it, but I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So church, church attendance has all kinds of phenomenal social outcomes, but I'm not sure there's very many good things coming from church attendance shrinking. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of a discipline in a family life, even if it includes dressing in your best, there is this intentional idea amongst the children that this is our, our commitment, our duty, our service to the Lord. And I think that in terms of social outcome, that has tremendous benefits for any society. But I think also where these things are not possible, where institution is not possible, where tradition is not possible. Let's just take the Chinese church, for example, where it's not really legal to have evangelical spirit-filled churches. Well, they have been shoved into hiding even. Mm-hmm. They're not only not allowed to have great institution, they're really they have to stay in secret. Yeah, they're not even allowed to to like post a flyer. Right. If they let the world know that they're meeting as a church, their leaders are in danger. Yeah. For their lives and for their their freedom, they're going to be put in jail for, mm-hmm. you know. How many stories I've heard associating with Chinese Christians of leaders that have been disappeared. And so the other day we had I had you know, a situation, I guess it wasn't the other day, it was a while back I had a situation where a Chinese pastor was going to speak and it had to have a disclaimer. Before he gets up here, we need no recording devices, no posting on the internet mm-hmm. because his life will be in danger. Yeah. You want to hear his story? You have to agree to not post it or not talk about it. And so I, uh, we agreed, but it's China. In China, we um, see a flourishing church, an underground church that is just flourishing. Mm-hmm. And in many parts of the world where there's oppression, the true gospel of Jesus Christ flourishes. It's powerful. Yeah. It's amazing. Southern Sudan, where I'm not sure anymore because I don't follow those statistics, but there were more martyrs in the Southern Sudan for believing in Jesus Christ. I think there was numbers like 700,000 people killed for believing in Jesus in one year. Wow. I think one year they even got up to 800,000 people killed for believing in Jesus. Well, my last report I ever heard of the Southern Sudan was that when they preached the gospel, 70,000 people come to the Lord in weeks, Mm. just weeks. Yeah. It's like, with that many people being killed, you'd think nobody would come to the Lord. Yeah. Well, I'd become a Christian, but those guys from the north will kill me. Yeah, well, that's what you said in uh, in the in the camp, our little campfire talk. You said, the early church, there were people actually jumping out of the Colosseum stands mm-hmm. to stand with the Christians because their their lives were so different. And, and that what, that's what kind of got me thinking, is, yeah. is how, how different our lives are as 21st century Western Christians than not only the early church, 
but just the the third world church, right? The church around yeah. the world that's in hiding. That report about Rome is what the historians said happened. Is those are secular? Yeah, those aren't Christians. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy that these Christians had such a faith, such a peace, you know. And I, I think you can put every Christian, every person in America in a church, but if they don't have peace through adversity, yeah, we will be more like the Stepford Wives. We'll be programmed people. Mm-hmm. But and I think that most Hollywood versions of the church in America are mostly, you know, everybody sits straight up and they sit tied in and they sing hymns and. They act a lot like robots. And then you go home and get on yeah. with your life. But that's not really, really the way you know it's supposed to be. And I think that the decline in America shows a really bad trend. But in the end, what is you know, what is good and what is bad, I don't know. All I really know is that whatever day I'm in, it has to belong to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think that if more people preach that, that we 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 make choices to align ourselves with the gospel. We make choices to demonstrate his truth and we make choices to preach the gospel with our lives and maybe even not with our words but with our lives so that when we use words there's a credibility that is, you know, backed up by our actions. Yeah. And I think it would be very difficult to say what is good or what is bad or what's tomorrow hold. Are we doomed or are we not doomed? I just know that I'm not doomed. Yeah. You know, even if evil men come to hunt me, they have no control of my soul or my spirit. Why do you fear them that can hurt only your body? Mm-hmm. You know, why? why do you... Consider concern yourself with your life. What prob what does it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Yeah. So um, these Asian Christians, these communist world Christians, Koreans, you know, their churches they claim are flourishing. They're seeing miracles. They're they're having amazing results. They say. And here I'm I'm having a remote amazing results on a very individual basis with you know total freedom to preach i might not have that for long but i have it now yeah i'm not seeing any better results than they are i'm not even seeing as good a results as they claim to have Mm. so yeah well that was one thing like i i follow the news a little bit and i i kind of pay attention to things like uh religious liberty and um you know, especially moving, living in Canada for 10 years and then moving to California and realizing, well, this, this isn't really that different. You know, the, the social programs and, and the, the sort of scary things that, that Christians talk about, like, oh man, we're, we're, uh, we're losing our ability to talk about this or we're losing our ability to educate our kids about this. We're losing our ability to, you know, and so, those sort of things get us um, get us really worked up. We get really worked up about we're losing losing our influence. Um, but I, I just I I kind of see a bit of a I guess I see a bit of a an advantage, not an advantage per se, but um, another thing I thought about. So the numbers are definitely declining, and we can see for society in general, 
it's not a great thing if if you don't have people engaging even a little bit with with the Lord just one day a week. But what I've always wondered when people say, "Well, we're losing Christians," or that who who's losing Christians? Like who who is it? Which which ones? And um, when I've when I started looking at some of the numbers, it's not it's not the um, I don't know how to say it, the, not the conservative, Bible-believing, Christian um, confessions of faith that are losing, losing numbers at a remarkable rate. It's the, uh, it's the, the, those, um, the, the denominations, like the mainline denominations that have really, they just are aging out. Like they're, yeah. they're getting older and, and the young people aren't staying with them and no. they're dividing, they're, uh, even even just recently, uh, I think it was the uh, United Methodists. They held a worldwide vote on on uh, the definition of marriage, and and all these all these third world Christians were saying, "Well, what are you guys struggling with? We know the definition of marriage. We we want to stay with what the Bible teaches." And all the American churches were saying, "Well, we're we're not so sure anymore." And so now they're talking about, "Well, what if we split up?" And it's those sort of things. Those are the the places that are are really losing the most numbers. So in all that, my th- my thought is, are we are we really losing committed Christians? Are we seeing committed Christians like you and me turning around and saying, "No thanks, I don't want to." I've met Jesus. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Or are we having people who were calling themselves Christians turning their turning their back on calling themselves Christians. Do, does that make sense? Yeah, it's a very fine line for me to make a decision either way. It'll all wash out in the end. I could say that, you know, all of the rotten fruit has fallen off to leave only the good fruit. But that would be kind of self-serving to say. I think um, either way, evangelical, God-fearing, God-loving, Jesus-believing people is not increasing in numbers or percentages, mm-hmm. you know. And so really that's, you come down to it, you know, are are we, so is even one of those we lose someone that Jesus did not die for, that the love of God is not for, it is for everybody. And for me to make a decision of what we lose is good or bad, I'm afraid I wouldn't be able to do that. I, I think when I talk about loss, it's not like we're losing them forever, all eternity. It's like. Um. Yeah they they grew up in a in a they're definitely not attending anymore right right so I think clearly affluence you know I am comfortable and and the big issue in America England Canada the big issue that none of us want to talk about it's kind of like a white elephant in the corner why does evangelism not work. Mm-hmm as well as it used to. And everyone that comes to the altar at a Billy Graham or any other crusade, how come so few of them remain and become disciples? Yeah, yeah. Is because we as a society have said, do say, and will say, in every which way but loose, God, we don't need you. Hmm. We are fine. We make just fine paycheck. Our house suits us fine. You know, if I want a bigger one, I have the means to buy it. And we don't need you, God. That's not something the early church ever could have said. Could have said, no. They were hiding, running, ducking. Every every hour, every day, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's that's what I'm thinking about. Is there's the... no strain to be a Christian today, and I think that that's you know there is in in those Chinese in those communist countries there is, in in half the world there is. It's a real struggle to be a Christian in Africa. It's a real struggle to be a Christian in a Muslim zone. Yeah, right now and Kurdistan, yeah. like the Syrian Christians in Kurdistan, right, struggling, leaving their their homes. Just so they're not, they've got enemies on both sides, right? Yeah. And they have to snuggle up to one enemy so that the the other enemy isn't going to get them. And you know, for the comfortable Western person who sort of believes and kind of believes or does believe any of the above, that becomes a black mark that makes them believe less, not more. They don't mm-hmm. look at those Kurdistans and say, oh, what heroes. I wish I could be more like them. They say, oh my gosh, all these people fighting over faith. Maybe faith is useless. And then they look for some other place to to rely on. Like, I can trust in my job. I can trust in my education. I can trust in my family. I can trust in all kinds, my government. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that's, you know, probably the most telltale sign of the Book of Acts Church versus today's American Western Church is that they brought all that they had and shared it so that those who had little had more and those that had more had less. I mean, they had, you know, yeah. less than they wanted and enough to live on. And today's church doesn't really want to be the solution to the poverty problem, systemic poverty. What we want to do is, you know, um, trust in the government. Take yeah. let it, Say again, God, our government's doing just fine. We don't need you. That really hasn't worked out good in history, and it's not going to work out for us. And I think we as a Christian church, coast to coast in America, have said, God, we don't need you. You're kind of fine to believe in on Sunday, and you're kind of fine to have as a backdrop faith or even a front drop faith, but you just, when the rubber meets the road, we're taken care of, you know, we're okay Mm -hmm. without you. I'm told all the time, you know, there's your life you live at church, and then there's your life in, you know, the re- the real world. And I, I'm just stunned when a person yeah, show me that one a, in the Bible. Someone who claims to be a believer says it. I'm just stunned, flat stunned. I mean, I'm shocked, and yet I hear it more and more every day. Yeah, yeah. So okay, this ha- this has been rummaging through my mind for a minute here. So anybody that's heard like our our most popular podcast so far has been yourself and Vicky talking about your granddaughter, right? And walking yeah, through yeah. walking through that horrible time, right? Yep, horrible. And the reason it's popular is because like the show, it's it's uncommon, right? right. You don't expect people to deal with the loss of a seven year old the way your family has. Right. Now do you think these these third world Christians that are in fear of their lives day day to day, do you think you guys would stick out there or would you, I mean, you can't know that, but you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Do you think that's just normal Christianity well, and we don't ex- experience it? Here definitely in the third world sees more death of children than we do. Yeah. It's a more common thing. You know, people here get freaked out over nothing. They lose their, uh, well, we had our power shut off last week, right? So man, yeah. people were blowing their cookies, man. Yeah. They were blowing. They were blowing their minds, yeah. and it's like, man, in the third world, they hardly ever have power. They're so mm-hmm. happy on the days they have power. Yeah. So I think you know what's common and uncommon in the third world is a little different than us. I mean, they deal with children's deaths on a regular, daily basis. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always wailing about the loss of a child. Now, 
I also see loss of a child here when you, you you know you hang out three years in a hospital because she suffered that long. You're going to hear people wailing at the loss of children, and they yeah. really do. I don't understand why the way me and my family dealt with Ava Lynn was a standout thing to us. It wasn't. It was our normal, everyday faith. Mm-hmm. It really was. We didn't say, hey, we didn't have a family meeting. Hey, let's get together. Let's all behave this way. No, that was just our everyday faith. This is what we believe. We believe. That's yeah. it. You know, that settles it for us. We believe. And we have been promised eternal life, and we believe in it. We have been promised a lot of things about innocence. Evelyn was seven. She did not get to the age of reasoning. She doesn't even have to stand before Christ when it comes to the martyrs under the altar. I believe Evelyn will be counted as one whose life was sacrificed in, in Christian's name. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, she she was born innocent, lived innocent. And when she passed, I'd say some of us are very feel very guilty about how relieved we were. Mm. Oh, yeah. she won't suffer anymore. Mm-hmm. We were willing to fight that fight with her for the rest of our lives and her life. But when she passed, it was okay, man. Finally, she got healed. Yeah. Because we believe. You can't say she was healed unless you believe. Mm-hmm. There's no final chapter to an unbeliever or to at least to their mind. Yeah. So that's how we, why, why I think in third world countries, you would not, we wouldn't stick out because they deal with it every day. And I'm sure many of them deal with it in the way we did. Hey, let's get up. Let's go out and let's, let's, let's preach the gospel in her name. Let's do what she would have wanted to do. Let's love Jesus. Yeah. So back to our original subject here about, you know, the, sort of decline of the church and uh so we're, we're losing some power we're losing some influence in in culture and government and things like that definitely losing numbers all of this pretty much like if you look at the early church they they had no they had no power in culture at all they were they were killed right, right. they were killed um in in the Colosseum. they were uh crucified themselves so, so they didn't have any cultural cachet, and and they didn't. So, so the I, I read this article. It was in Christianity Today. I think I'll link it into the into the podcast. So, if you want to go down and scroll, read for yourself. It's it's um, by by a guy named Gerald L. Sitzer, and um, it was in Christianity Today on October sixteenth. And so he he said the the reason that the early church had such a good uh, like it changed the world and it, it, it comes down to Jesus, but because of Jesus, because there was nobody like Jesus in the world ever to that point And ever since there was a, there was a different way of doing things. So they didn't, they didn't isolate themselves from the culture. Um, like some call that today, the Benedictine option where we'll just be like the Benedictine monks, monks and separate ourselves. So we don't get polluted by the culture. Right. They didn't. They didn't isolate themselves, and they they also didn't snuggle up to the culture and start accommodating the culture by saying, "Oh yeah, whatever you say, uh, Hollywood or whatever you say, big government or right." They just they did things a third way, um, which was Jesus' way, and and it was such a spectacle to the rest of the world because nobody had ever seen it. 
And one of the things he mentions in there is, so for 250 years, there was no, there was no formal Christianity. There was no, there was no church, um, no Pope, no anybody at the top regionally saying, this is what you need to do. Little church down the road, little church a thousand miles away. It was all, it was all like these Asian churches kind of hiding in, in the catacombs and stuff like that. And so if you want to, if you want your kids and your neighbors and your grandkids to be Christians, you actually have to disciple them, right? right. You, you don't just, you don't, they don't just know already what it is to be a Christian. Right. There's never, ever been a Christian before. Some of these people would meet a Christian and they've never met a Christian ever. So you have to teach them up on, on what it means to be a Christian. Now, today we're, we're having for the first time ever a generation that's growing up not knowing what Noah's Ark is not knowing all these Bible stories, right? That like every every um, nursery that I've ever been in has had a picture of Noah's Ark on the wall. And kids who are not growing up in church have never heard of the, you know, the yeah, Exodus yeah. story. Or they, they haven't heard that stuff. So in the same way as the early church, we have this blank slate to work with. And um, the reason I think that's a good thing is because if I want to preach Jesus to my family, who all grew up nominally Catholic, like a lot of your family growing up, I have a whole lot of stuff that I have to work through before they even start to listen to Jesus, to, to hear about Jesus. Right. Now, if I'm interacting with people who have never heard Jesus, anything about Jesus before, that's that's actually good news because they haven't heard it. They don't know. Right. And so that's, that's why... This author, um, he he says, maybe it's not the worst thing. If the early church could succeed with people who had had never never experienced Christianity before, had no framework for it, and they they didn't do it by accommodating the culture or isolating themselves, then as the church declines now, maybe we have that that way to do it, a, a pathway. Maybe there's actually a big advantage for us. Hmm. What do you think about that? I think when there's crisis, people go to with what they're familiar with. And so what they're familiar with today, the ones that are not hearing the Bible stories, that are not influenced by church. So let's say a father and a mother have three children. Those three children have three children. And the youngest don't really know anything. And the father and mother and the grandparents and the parents know. Well, when crisis happens, like 9-11, they run to church, and their kids follow them. Yeah, that did happen. The church yeah, is just filled up. Filled right? up. And when, when, the, when it's cut, when the cord is cut, they don't. When, there's a, gotta, when you have a gap, they won't know where to run. Right. So that can't be good. Right. I see that. But the reason, the reason this isn't good, unless or only... If the church that remains practices Jesus' teaching of denying self, hmm. anyone who would come after me must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. If it is a self-sacrifice, no greater love, laying down your life for your neighbor, love one another as I have loved you, which included the cross. If it's that kind of church, then this drawdown is a really good thing. But if the church they find is one that's more concerned with their comfort than the truth they're taught, 
Yeah. Or the foundation they stand on, the rock in, on which they stand, then this drawdown is a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. This remnant almost means starting over. Yeah. And I think that vast amount of that percentage of people that claim to believe, and it could be 50% of the country claim to believe in Jesus, but less than 10 or right at 10% go to the, go to church. Mm-hmm. And then of those 10% that go to church, how many are taught selflessness? It's becoming a dying subject. Yeah. And we're hearing more Sacrifice. and more, more and more about do this. So, uh, you know, do this and God will bless you. So, um, that prosperity gospel movement, right? The whole message is that you're, God's got great things for your future. And he does, but Paul would have told you he had great things when he just been beaten and stoned, mm-hmm. you know? It's just the definitions are all screwed up. But I think this drawdown could be a good thing if, if the church is preaching what Jesus taught. So if the church is the church... Of Jesus Christ, teaching right. what his humility, his self-sacrifice, his servant of all, mm-hmm. foot-washing posture, yep. then the drawdown will leave those that stand out and the buildup that comes after, if there's revival, which there should be, if you believe in God's future, you know, there would be a revival that came at that time, then the, what they would duplicate is what they saw, which would be selfless, Laying down your life. Yeah. Giving till it hurts. That's, that's un- what they would That's see. uncommon today. And they would build a foundation that is phenomenal. It would be a foundation that men could stand on, mm-hmm. build their house on, withstanding storms and wind and wave. I mean, it would be awesome. Most of, When I'm following this conversation, most of what I'm hearing from like culture war people or... or um, I don't know people in the media, in the Christian media, it's it's like, well, the sky's falling, and now we need to do something so we can get our we can get back to being the church the way we knew it growing up, um, with all the comfort and all the all the influence. So it seems like we've got like a fork in the road, right? Should, do we do we try to get back where we were, get back on top of the mountain because Christianity was the sort of the unofficial state religion of of the of the United States for like a hundred years more you know longer than that uh, yes <laughs> longer than yeah. that and so we either do that or we embrace being being the church like the early church and and so yeah that's where I see the the big difference it does whether we succeed or fail for these people who are, they call them nuns, right? No, right. no religious preferences. The, the rise of the nuns, it's the, um, it's the term of the, the people that are falling away from the church and from religion in general. If we're going to be there for the rise of the nuns, we need to be a completely uncommon church, right. a different church that America's ever had. Right. We need, to, we need to start going out to these underground churches in China and Sudan, South Sudan, and... Uh, Kur- like the Kurds in Syria and, and learn, okay, how do we do church? Right. Right. That, right. that kind of reminds me of um, the guy, David Platt with his book radical where he, he spent a time going, he called it secret church. He, he had a mega church in Alabama and uh, he invited people to church and he, he turned off all the lights, turned off all the heat 
And uh, instead of meeting in their sanctuary, they met in an unlit room just with a candle and the Bible and read the Bible for like six hours. And they're like, all right, well, this is how the rest of the world does church. And now we go out and live the Bible. So let, let's try to do that and see how many people showed up. Yeah. And actually people, people in his church, it took, a, it took a minute for it to get rolling. They actually loved it. They're like, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we just sit and, and read yeah. the Bible together? Yeah, more people know? would, I don't know what more people do, probably take naps, not be noticed. <laughs> That's why they'd like it. Yeah. Who wants to be uncomfortable? I mean, I don't, I don't vote for uncomfort, but it seems like suffering and discomfort and um, uneasiness is the platform from which people launch to find God. Mm-hmm. But comfort and ease and safety is the platform from which people launch to say, I don't need you, God. Yeah. I have everything I need. What do I need you for? Then you come along and say, give it away. Lay down your life. Give to any man that asks. I'm a little bit, you're, you're asking a lot. Yeah. And people don't want that. And I think that what's growing is not the people saying that, but they're saying the other things. God's greatest days are ahead of you. And mm-hmm. he's got this plan for this to rule the world and yeah people want that they go for it but i'm not sure that's what jesus said what i talked to i talked to some listeners that that listen to our podcast and we're called the uncommon truth for a reason and that's because i like to i like to look into some of this stuff it rumbles through my head it it has for a long time and i want to know i want to know like i i guess i'm really motivated by by truth. And for for some reason I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but when I when things are when I don't know what the truth is, I want to go after it. I I can't just I can't just sit and uh I don't know and and go status quo. And so I I talk to listeners and and that's why they listen it's because they're they're interested in that truth even if it's challenging, right? Like you said you don't like to be you don't like to be challenged with being uncomfortable. You don't like having your power shut off or anything like that. No, who does? But the 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 having having the truth, knowing the truth, having Jesus be the truth, that that's something you want to go after, right? Yeah, I want the truth of Jesus Christ. I want to know that I'm doing what he said, denying yourself, laying down your life, giving to any man that asks. The, the char- charity, giving. How do, you, how do you get peace in God when your grandfather, do- grandmother, I'm sorry, your granddaughter passes yeah. away after a three-year struggle? You give your life away. You give your life to her. You give your life to those around you. You don't say, whoa, I, my, my, I'm family suffering. Don't ask me anything. Mm-hmm. How can you ask me this? My granddaughter suffering. No. You take all comers, you take all requests, you, you go and you serve and you give. And when your granddaughter dies, when things don't happen the way you want, when you look into her eyes and see her suffering, she passes away and you feel this incredible sense of relief. You're, you know, Mm -hmm. there's only one way you're relieved. And that's that, you know, that, you know, that when she passed, she slipped into arms. She's in the presence of the Lord. She slipped into a non-suffering place. Mm-hmm. Her suffering is over. And you can know that. Well, when you sacrifice and make your life, you know, about others, 
I'm not sitting here telling you I live with needles sticking out of my arms so that I suffer. I don't slap myself with a right. whip on the back so that not I suffer. Not that type of suffering. No. I'm saying I give my life away. I end up with more love in my life than you could ever imagine. I end up with more friends, more support, more goodness in my life. It's just shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, grows disciples, and disciples find each other and create a bond of unity that is hard to describe. It's hard to replace in any other fashion. I mean, you can make church as comfortable as you want. You can't duplicate brothers living in unity. Right. It's yeah. amazing. Well, I think that's just uh, it's just an interesting conversation to have as we see as we are confronted with news about you know ch- church decline and. Um, Christianity getting pushed out of the public square in the marketplace. Um, I, I think that's just something we need to think of is, is this going to be, is this going to be the end of the world and we should just go find our cave to cower in or, or do we have a position here to now push forward from and, and start actually being the church yeah. sharing this, this uncommon message of give your life away. We stand I'm up and be nothing, seen. Right. We stand up and so, be seen. And, uh, and the reason I'm talking to you about it is because these are the things that I saw in this place in Oroville yeah. um, that, that I came here wanting to know more about and still, still very much along the journey of, of learning more. And um, yeah, I, I, I haven't figured it out. I haven't, I haven't got it all down, but I, I'm following the truth where it's leading. And uh, yeah, I know it's going to work out. Max, good, good Christianity, the kind of Christianity that will, you can guarantee your future, where you can know where your granddaughter went, where you can have this utter confidence of faith and hope and love in your life, is one that sees it as further up and farther in. There is no end. You have not arrived. Right. When people tell me, yeah, I'm good, I'm like, how can you be good? It's just so much more. I mean, there's so much more. And this the Christianity that views... The kingdom here on earth that's further up, always further up, always further up. Let's go. Let's keep going. That That's the one that brings peace. That's the one that brings goodness. That's the one that you can stand on, man. You can, you can know your life is good, and you can give everything away because on that next level, there's more. Mm-hmm. And you can give it away because on that next level, there's more. Yeah. And you can give that away because on that next level, there's more. And what you'll see is a group of people gathering together, running for the Lord, running for the mountain, man. We're just running for the prize to finish the race. And you end up in unity. You end up in love. You end up preaching the gospel. You end up telling everybody this is good. And they keep running with you. And, and you, you keep you going. end up having a thousand people come in and come to your granddaughter's funeral. That's right. A thousand people show up to say, what's this about? Yeah, this is different. This is uncommon. This is uncommon. Yeah. That was the most remarkable um, thing I've ever seen in that service. Standing by a casket celebrating. Yeah. Dan- you know, little kids dancing, parents with, you know, in between their tears, they're laughing and telling jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, just marvelous love. That was marvelous love. Uncommon love was that. Yeah. Uncommon celebration, uncommon love. I don't know if you can watch that on. Can you still watch that on Facebook if, or is it gone? It, I, I'm not sure if we've got the live stream, but I will. Uh, I'll update us in the uh, at the end of the show here. 
If okay. we do have it, I'll put it on. I'll put that uh, live stream recording onto the the show yeah. notes as well. Really uncommon love going on out there. My daughter's crying, man. She woke wakes up the next day and realized we went to the graveside. We did the graveside service. It's hard to say goodbye. You you, mm-hmm. you know she's not gonna you're not gonna have her there. Yeah, Christmas is coming. You got a family of four now, not five. Yeah, it's just an interesting thing but the christianity that's going to see you through is the one that has not arrived it has not it has not crossed the finish line it has not received the reward it is running it's running for the lord further up and farther in deeper and deeper more and more yeah let's keep going there's more to save there's more to rescue there's more to give and i think that man all the wealth in the world if it will not make you satisfied it will not even make you comfortable yeah giving will make you comfortable Giving will make you satisfied. Giving will satisfy your soul in a way you've never imagined. And when you do meet various trials, and I'm not cursing anyone, but you will. Yeah. How will you stand through it? I think we ran through it. We ran uphill through it. We ran up further up and farther in all the way through it. And uh, daughter, my daughter and family are just heroes. My wife's a hero. The way they've run through this thing. Anyway, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much for making the Uncommon Truth part of your podcasting routine. I hope you found that discussion as interesting as I did. I definitely enjoyed talking about the decline of the church and and what that means for us going forward with Steve. And uh, I hope you did too. I would love to hear actually what you think about all these topics about the church decline, about nominalism, about uh, our loss of influence and, and uh, numbers in the church. So if you would like to send me an email and, and give me your opinion, I've put my email there in the show notes. Just scroll down on your phone or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Just in the bottom there, there's a link to my email. Send me an email and let me know what you think. If you also like to hear something different covered on the Uncommon Truth that we, we might get into, uh, let me know that as well, and we we might talk about it on a future show. I've also thrown a link up there for those of you who'd like to share the show with a friend. If you found this one really, really interesting and want to share it with a friend or family member, you can do so by sharing that link down there in the show notes, and it'll take them directly to their preferred podcast platform. And if you also want to get the word out about The Uncommon Truth, I would encourage you to leave us a rating or a review and or a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That pushes us up the charts so that when people are searching for for podcasts about Christianity, they see The Uncommon Truth. Even those who have not heard of us before, that just expands our tent peg so that we can get the conversations like this into more people's ears. As promised, I've also thrown a link to the article that I was referencing before. It's called The Early Church Thrived Amid Secularism and Shows How We Can Too by Gerald Sitzer. I found that on Christianity Today, and uh, so I can link that for you. I'll also have a link up of the live stream of Avalyn Hope Wallace's memorial that we had a little over a week ago. If you've been following that uh, here on the podcast or you you know about Ava Lynn's journey, we'd uh, love to have you check that out if you weren't able to be there. So that link is in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time here on The Uncommon Truth.